0: Start On Demand demand. Thursday we learned there were 30 new cases of COVID-19 in Manitoba we also learned that Walmart will be making masks mandatory as of August 12th and this morning we learned there were four more COVID-19 cases at the Maple Leaf plant in Brandon so we'll head to Brandon and speak to the mayor to find out how things are going in that community it's been one year since the manhunt in Gillum we'll head to Gillum to speak with Mayor Dwayne Foreman to find out how he and the rest of his community are doing the Winnipeg Jets are out that was quick we'll talk to Kelly Moore and what's the most embarrassing place you've ever and where is the most embarrassing place you've ever fallen asleep I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling who's back from vacation next week then I'm off and loren mcnab we are mackling mcgarry and mcnab and this is the friday august 7th podcast for the start McNabb mackling back next week then i'm off we're going to talk hockey in a second winnipeg jets sad face but first question of the day brought to you by credit aid helping manitobans get out of debt since 1992 visit creditaid.ca call 204-987-6890 and the question that went up yesterday afternoon manitoba has its first instance of a child in daycare testing positive for covid19 does this change your thinking for sending your kids into care or school and 66 percent say no A few cases were inevitable and kids need to go back. 34% say yes, it has given me a fright. Cast your vote at cjob.com or shoot us a text at 204-780-6868 as you already done so this morning.
1: Yeah, because we asked the question at 6.15, does the spike in cases make you think twice about changing your behaviour? So the question of the day yesterday had to do with schools. We also want to ask the question about masks and even travel. Brett, you heard in the newsroom with Skylar there that the Dr. Brent Roussen says one of the cases in Brandon that is contributing to the spread started with someone who didn't fully self-isolate after travelling. And so I saw a lot of comments on Facebook yesterday and other social media uh, platforms about maybe we need to do something about About our travel restrictions maybe go back to previous travel restrictions so got one text from a listener that said we considered going back into our bubble after the spike over the weekend yesterday's numbers made our decision official definitely going to slow down and distance ourselves more again so that's one listener saying they're kind of going back to some of their old behaviors while elaine wrote nope still going to push few through. We have to learn to live with this virus. I only really count deaths from the virus as a reason to close and our death rate is very low. So let us know how you're feeling this morning. 780-6868.
0: And you can also let us know how you're feeling about the fact that the Winnipeg <laughs> Jets, we waited so many months to see them get back on the ice and it Took almost just a blink of an eye, Loren, to say goodbye.
1: Yeah, all that ramp up and the excitement over the weekend ended last night with sort of just a a dud. That kind of dropping feeling. And Kelly Moore, I I don't know if you stayed up late, but we want to get to you, our sports director extraordinaire. That's how I've written you into the script this morning. Hmm. Kelly, are you feeling extraordinary this morning about all this? Well, you know,
2: I I cover the Jets. But I'm not invested in them like, like people who put their hard-earned money down on the table to watch this hockey club. So, uh, you know, to me, it, it, it's, it's part of the, the business that we're involved in. Uh, I, for Winnipeg, I would have liked to have seen the Jets win. But uh, reality is what it is. And I, I would just have to say, that, I don't want to say the Winnipeg Jets were cursed this year, but the hockey gods were not smiling on them. You know, and Paul Maurice is going to talk more about that at 725, but let's face it, when you lose one of your best players five minutes into a series, that is not a good omen, and then when you lose your best natural goal scorer uh, later on in that same game, it, it just makes it too much of an uphill challenge, and while the Jets did respond in game two, uh, it was clear that that Calgary was the better team in games three and four. And certainly last night, you know, the Jets hung in there, but that goal by Sam Bennett with uh, 0.3 seconds left to go in the first period, that was an absolute backbreaker because uh, Winnipeg with their limited offense uh, and Blake Wheeler and, and Kyle Connor, even though they did have some opportunities were held to one assist each in the entire series Uh, And so that just kind of summed things up for Winnipeg. This qualifying round series was a microcosm of what their season was, uh, you know, for 71 games in 2019-20.
0: Was there a moment where they were even in the game?
2: Yeah, you know, if Cam Talbot doesn't stop Nikolai Ehlers a couple of times, you know, there was an opportunity for the Jets to put the Flames back on their heels. uh, But... You know, Cam Talbot was the better netminder in this series, and I don't say that cheekily or snarkily or sarcastically. I just say that very objectively. Uh, But he was also playing behind what was a better and healthier team. So I think you have to also throw that in as a caveat as well. But Cam Talbot, you know, goaltending was supposed to be uh, the Winnipeg Jets' big advantage in this series. And I'm not going to say Connor Hellebuck played badly, uh, but, he just wasn't able to make some of those circus saves uh, that he was making earlier on, and uh, and and he didn't have a chance on some of the goals. I mean, uh, uh, on the Dylan Dubay goal, he was allowed to have a second or third chance at the at the shot, uh, and, and so you know, Calgary's goaltending was better than what we expected it to be. Winnipeg's golden, goaltending wasn't as spectacular as it needed to be.
1: Yeah, Greg Mackling tweeted last night. Greg's off, of course, this week, so he was able to stay up late and watch the hockey. He tweeted, put up your hand if you thought Talbot was going to be the goaltender with the shutout in this series. And so yeah. uh, I don't know if many people would have thought that, Kelly. And and now there's questions about ne- what's next for the Jets because so many of us were so focused on this August period that personally I didn't give pause for thought in terms of, okay, so after we get through this, where do they go? So where do they go? Is it back home for a few weeks, for a few months? How does this all work?
2: Yeah, well, basically, uh, after <laughs> waiting for four and a half months during the pause for the <laughs> pandemic. Now it's another four to four and a half months before training camp starts in November. So we're, we're kind of back to where we started in mid-March, uh, you know, in a long layoff. And, uh, you know, there will be changes on the Winnipeg Jets. I don't think there's any doubt about that, as there will be changes on many teams because, you know, the one thing the pandemic has done, playing without fans in the stands, uh, the salary cap is not going to be as high as what general managers thought it was going to be. So they're going to have to do some tinkering with that for sure. Uh, It's probably going to be impacting on some of the decisions they make. Uh, You'll probably see even more younger players, not only come on into the lineup of the jets uh, because they're cost effective and friendly, but uh, uh, certainly for other teams as well, I guess, you know, I, I, I kind of, I, I fashion my 625 around survivor just for you, Brett, because, you know, the old, uh, you know, where Jeff tells the contestants to put out their torches, the, the tribe has spoken. But, uh, you know, at least in this scenario, there could be a lovely parting gift for the Winnipeg Jets and their fans if they win the second phase of the draft lottery five o'clock our time on Monday night and have the chance to add Alexi Lafreniere to their lineup for 2020-21 and beyond. Wouldn't that be something?
0: So do you think that this is going to help the team secure a top draft spot? Like, how does that well, it could, work? It
2: could. Okay, what happens, Brett, is all of the teams that lost in the qualifying round, right now it's the Rangers and the Jets, but there will be six others who will eventually join them. And because... It was the it was the qualifying team, if you will, that won the draft, the first phase of the draft lottery. So, the Winnipeg Jets have a twelve and a half percent opportunity to get the number one pick in the in the draft. So you're telling me there's a chance? So I'm telling you, McNabb, <laughs> there, you have a much better chance than Lloyd had with what was uh, the girl's name in the anyway yeah
1: her name was Lauren in real life but I don't know what her yeah, name was I, I can't remember
2: her, yeah her character's name so but it, it doesn't matter but twelve and a half and percent is not a bad uh not a bad percentage
1: I, I guess we'll take that after the after the <laughs> series lost this week Kelly before before we let you go and say goodbye I mean there's still lots of hockey left to play do you, do you like oh, yeah. anyone who's who's the favorite right now for the cup who's looking the best in far as far as you're concerned
2: I don't have a clue I mean <laughs> You know, the way the, the, the seeding round-robin has gone, Boston was the best team uh, during the regular season. St. Louis was next. They're both 0-2 and not playing well at all. Maybe they just, you know, they're saving it for the first round of the playoffs. Uh, but it's wide open. I'll tell you what, it could be fascinating. What happens, you know, if teams like Montreal and Chicago and Arizona and Columbus, you know, wind up knocking out Pittsburgh, Edmonton, you know, Toronto and Nashville. <laughs> you know, it's it's insane what's going on right now. But as uh, you know, you, if you've seen Sportsnet's promos, you know, they say it. This is the year where anyone could win it. So I think if uh, to, to say that anybody's a favorite right now, I, I guess Tampa Bay. I'll, I'll, that's not going out on a limb much. But if I had to put money on right now, uh, I would I would put it on the lightning.
0: Kelly Moore joining us live on 680 CJOB, the sports director extraordinaire on the Winnipeg Jets loss to Calgary in the game last night and the series loss. Kelly, thank you so much, sir.
2: I am looking forward to our next segment of falling asleep in awkward places because, boy, do I have a story.
0: McGarry and McNabb, Sleepless in Winnipeg. We're looking today for our final qualifier for the Better Sleep Better You Grand Prize from Sleep Country, which we are giving away on Monday right here on the start. The grand prize includes two Dormeo microcushion pillows, one essential sheet set, and one queen size field crest luxury duvet. Full details at CJOB.com. And the question we're asking today at 204 780 6868 What's the most embarrassing place you've ever fallen asleep at? So let's go around the horn here. We've We've got Jeff Fortier, Kelly Moore, and Skylar Peters. And Kelly, you said you've got, boy, do you have a story. Let's hear it. <laughs> oh,
2: well, it was back in 2016 in Las Vegas, and we decided that we would uh, bite the bullet and spend big money to go watch a Cirque du Soleil show. So, you know, we had to stand on the lineup for the longest time. And then we finally get into our seats and so I'm watching the show and everything's fine, but you know, it was it was a later show, so needless to say, I drifted off, and I guess I started snoring. And my <laughs> wife elbows me in the rib. She says, "We just paid two hundred fifty dollars each for these tickets. Don't you dare go to sleep."
0: <laughs> Which one was it?
2: Ah, uh, you know i I honestly you, you don't remember the. <laughs> do you, yeah, do you I remember I missed, the hotel? I miss some of it uh i all i know is a, it was a hotel close to treasure island on the same side of the strip
0: was it the mirage
2: uh it uh i you know what brett i just <laughs> honestly don't remember <laughs> I'll, I'll have to, maybe maybe i still have the ticket stuff somewhere
0: okay must have been, must have been quite it, the nap that you took
2: it, it was not. I don't know that it lasted that long because uh, once I started snoring, I think my wife was very self conscious that other people might be saying, Shh, "We want to see the hear this show." Skyler, what about you?
3: I think the I didn't have a, too many. The only one I thought of is uh, finished one of these morning shifts uh, in the winter time and uh, met my girlfriend for dinner uh, at a restaurant, and I sat down in the lounge, and it was kind of one of those tables that were that were kind of round it was made for like five or six people but they just gave it to the two of us and i just like leaned back i guess and i, I just i she got to the table and i was sleeping <laughs> <laughs> really yeah i don't think it must have been like two minutes because she wasn't too far behind me but thank god the server didn't uh, <laughs> come up to the table to grab a drink from me or something And i just and i every time i like fall asleep uh sitting up my head just kind of cranes back, and my mouth is always open, so I I could have like caught flies with that. So, uh, yeah, it was probably probably a good uh, a good picture, but thank God she didn't take one. Fortier, uh, I don't really have a weird spot. Like yesterday, I said I slept in the back of my uh, old cobalt there, which is a tiny space. But uh, my buddy's place it was always kind of a, a party place, and once I'm, I crashed on the couch, and I used my jacket as a blanket, and other people started throwing their jackets on me. Yeah. And in in the morning, in the morning, I, I hear I hear my friends talking, and so I get up and I'm like, "Hey, what's going on?" They're like, "The heck are you still doing here? I thought you went home." It's like, nah, no, I'm under the jacket." That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, great, Loren. What about you?
1: Oh, I've fallen asleep in the movie theater before. We had several listeners write in to say they've fallen asleep in concerts, which I think is fascinating. Uh, One time I was on my way to Pakistan to cover an earthquake there, and I was going through Vancouver and then had to go through Hong Kong. And so I knew I had to get some sleep because I would have to hit the ground running for uh, work for Global National. So I took a gravel like at the airport to help me fall in the hopes that it would kick in by the time I was on the plane. But it kicked in while I was sitting in my chair waiting for the flight to take off. And I don't know how much longer later, but I woke up to this woman kicking me, like nicely, but kicking me. I had rolled onto the floor, like clutching my bag like a pillow and was just sleeping, sprawled out while this line of people walked over me to try to get on the plane. So that was a little embarrassing, also because I could have missed the flight. But uh, yeah, I, she was speaking a different language and kicking me, but trying to get my attention, like, I think you're supposed to be on this plane. So that was a bit embarrassing.
0: For me, the embarrassing spot is always at work. If, the, if we have a meeting, it's almost a guarantee that I will fall asleep in that meeting because I hate meetings and uh, training sessions as well. We came here to 201 Portage last year for a flood briefing. And like we had some, some big shots in to, to give us a- some history and to let us know what was going on I fell asleep during that but maybe the worst for me and I need to figure out how to put this into Seinfeldian terms um I uh on more than one occasion have fallen asleep during how do we say during the warm-up for um adult <laughs> activities <laughs> Uh, that's about as uh, explicit as I can get with that. Needless to say, the enthusiasm from the other side uh, was non-existent. So
1: <laughs> I should say so. And
0: surprisingly, I'm 42 and I've never been married. I wonder why. You know what, though?
1: Brett? There's at least half a handful of listeners who's written to say that they have fallen asleep during the act the yeah, act sex let's just say it. just during sex coitus
0: coitus maximus what's All the Latin right. I was trying to dance around it Loren just goes right for the
2: jugular <laughs> yeah, the, during Sir, sex? The, the Cirque du Soleil show by the way was love I just looked it up oh the Beatles show okay yeah so love kind of falls into what you and Loren were just describing <laughs> Kelly
3: I, well, I think, think they there they was more love, love in your show than in Brett's story
4: This is something you don't anticipate uh, and never really have be prepared for, right? And uh, the feeling is uneasy still. Why would you come to the to the dead end corner of the world? And It's the perfect place to get caught,
0: <laughs> in my opinion. It's McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is back next week, and those are just some of the voices captured in the remote community of Gillam, Manitoba, one year ago.
1: Community leaders, residents, all really worried and, of course, weary after a nationwide Two week-long manhunt for two BC murder suspects led them to the Gillam area. One year ago tomorrow that search ended after the bodies of the teens were found in a bush in the Gillam area. Dwayne Foreman is the mayor of that community about 1000 kilometers north of Winnipeg and joins us now. Good morning, Dwayne. Good morning. We talked to you a lot last summer over July and August as that uh, two-week-long manhunt stretched on and on. Take us back to how the community was feeling one year ago and and the kind of different emotions you were hearing from residents there.
5: Oh, boy. There was a lot of fear and and, uh, just a a lot of unknowns. And I think that was the hardest part for our community, the unknowns of uh, what was truly going on and where these individuals were, who was a a lot of fear in the area.
0: How are people feeling now?
5: Um, honestly, for the most part, a lot of normalcy has returned to the community, mostly because the bodies were found, right? Uh, had the bodies not been found, I, I feel there'd still be that unknown, that that fear. So, um, yeah, I, I, like I say, I think just a lot of normalcy has returned to the community right after the bodies were found.
1: When we look back at the pictures of that story, one thing that still captures my attention, Dwayne, is just the terrain in Gillum. And and one thing that came out of this is just sort of that that learning curve for just how remote you guys are and the and the various different sections of bush and river and all the rest. And so as one of the clips we just played said, there was that sort of feeling of why on earth would you come to this community and especially a community that probably, and I'm just guessing here, Dwayne, wasn't one to lock their doors much or, or really have that fear when it comes to that level of, of crime.
5: Oh, definitely. <laughs> We're not used to that sort of... Uh... Publicity or crime or, or anything along that line. Uh, biggest crimes we have up here are the odd stolen bike, and uh, they're found pretty quick. It's it's like a, like everyone knows it's a small town, and uh, it, we're so isolated. It's just very odd to have something like that happen here. It was a uh, it was it was definitely a, an odd experience for us.
0: For two for two weeks Gillum Manitoba was uh, on the minds of pretty much all of Canada uh, you had media from all over the place there uh, when it was over and everybody left uh, did that how weird did that feel or did, was it a relief or did it feel kind of weird
5: I think it was a combination a uh, sense of relief that we can uh, kind of be our own town again because having all the media and the military and the increased... RCMP presence, um, Hercules flying in the area, yeah, the, the Aurora, uh, it was overwhelming for a lot of people. It, uh, honestly, when everyone left, it was almost like a sigh of relief. We can, we can breathe again and, and start to heal. Uh, there were people that had, uh, were emotionally scarred a little bit by it. So, uh I think the time—the time was needed for some individuals to uh, to sit back and, and and breathe our community back.
1: What do you mean, Dwayne, when you say emotionally scarred? What were they feeling and and sharing with you in terms of what they went through?
5: Uh, when I put out a, a little questionnaire asking how, how people were feeling, wanting like, to you know uh, some stories and 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 how people were. Uh, moving forward. Um, one story that came to mind was, uh, a family in, in the area that, uh, the husband and wife, it's they, they slept together the same bed, uh, their entire marriage. And, uh, when this happened, he moved from the bed and he went to the living room, in know, like almost, a, a protective mode, wanted right, to make sure that he was protecting the family. And, uh, for a few months after he was still staying in the living room, even though the bodies were found, it was obviously still affecting him. So, um, this, there were scars that, that were within the community. I don't know everybody's story. Not everybody's going to come forward and let me know what, how they're feeling. And I understand that. But that one story, uh, definitely sticks out in my mind that, uh, shows that the scars are still there for some people.
0: So Dwayne, uh, as, uh, as you move forward here, I mean, it's, it's, as Loren mentioned, tomorrow is the, uh, the one year anniversary. Um, is the community sort of gathering to, to do anything to, to mark that or is it just kind of business as usual? Um,
5: COVID kind of is ensuring that we're not gathering for anything. Um, There were plans uh, that we were talking about to potentially have a a get-together and and talk about it as a community and see how everyone feels, but uh, um, it'll just have to wait for another time. And uh, it's very possible that individuals just won't let it go. And on the same token, it's very possible that everyone wants to talk about it. We, We don't know, and we haven't had the opportunity to see um what what is truly on people's minds now?
1: yeah and i think that as you approach these dates that sometimes there's people who've moved on and sometimes there's those that haven't duane for others who are listening in you know it's not something you said that you'd ever expect in your town is there any lessons learned from this that that you've shared with other community leaders in terms of you know preparedness or how to react uh, to any kind of similar events even when it comes to just the media attention for a town
5: uh, the media attention you get is, is definitely uh, something I don't know if you can ever get used to. Uh, as, as far as what I tell other community members or leaders, I myself was, was kind of thinking that I would have help, that that's someone from the, the provincial government or someone would get a hold of me and say, hey, this is what you require, you know, we're here to help, or, or anything like that. And uh, really, there, there, there's nothing. You just kind of have to shoot from the hip and make sure, first and foremost, you take care of your community. Uh, hand down the hatches and make sure your community is safe. And if you can keep an eye out and uh, take care of each other, that's, that's the most important thing.
0: Well, listen, uh, Dwayne, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We very much appreciate the time and uh, this sort of retrospective as uh, we approach the the one-year anniversary uh, tomorrow that the search ended. Dwayne, thank you very much.
5: Thank you very much. Have a great day.
0: McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is back next week. Then I am away. Sleepless in Winnipeg. We are finding our final qualifier today. We're going to announce that final qualifier just after 9.15 and give away the grand prize. Better sleep, better you from Sleep Country Canada on Monday. And we are asking you today, what's the most embarrassing place? where you fell asleep. Herb says, my wife and I attended a concert in Medina, Minnesota, featuring a Southern rock band, the Outlaws. They are known as the Three Guitar Army. I, being a huge fan, snapped up front row seats. We attend the concert three quarters of the way through the concert. I'm standing on my seat, whooping it up, and I look over to say something to my wife, and she is sound (laughs) asleep. She had one adult beverage that night so it wasn't booze induced the decibel level was jet engine level and there there's my darling wife head tilted down sawing a log (laughs) that woman can fall asleep anywhere herb thank you so much for that that is great
1: what is with all the people falling asleep in concerts like it's still like it would be too loud for that We have have Herb with his wife in that concert, and then we have another listener who texted in to say, years ago, I fell asleep at a Def Leppard concert. (laughs) We had a very young child, and I was exhausted. To top it off, our car got broken into, and my husband's brand new Pioneer stereo was stolen. Oh, Oh, Sad ending to that story. You missed the concert, you lost your stereo, but I get it. The kid's in exhaustion. It can make you do crazy things.
0: And some support for Kelly Moore from a listener saying, I too fell asleep at the Cirque du Soleil Beatles show in Las Vegas. My friends saw my popcorn rolling down on the floor didn't know if they should wake me up or let me sleep lots of money for that ticket as well they have not let me forget this (laughs) mcgarry and mcnab we learned about 45 not even 45 minutes ago loren that uh, the the numbers are rising at the plant in brandon
1: yeah of course the maple leaf plant there uh, has seen a number of cases over the past few days it's now at eight so another Three were added to, sorry, another four cases were added to the total at that maple leaf plant in Brandon today. And we also learned just in the last uh, 15 minutes or so that Tim Hortons uh, in Brandon and Middleton Avenue has confirmed that it's closed for a deep cleaning after an employee uh, revealed that she had tested or they had tested positive for COVID-19. And so, of course, as this virus spreads it's moving to other communities winnipeg was the hotbed in the beginning but now we're seeing it move into other parts of manitoba and we're joined now by the mayor of brandon rick crest just to discuss this further good morning rick
4: Uh, good morning lauren
1: tell us how what you're hearing from residents what's the mood in your community right now
4: well certainly everybody is uh, concerned um you know i i I think uh, we're all encouraged as i am that that uh, there's not really evidence of of uh you know any any sort of community transmission? Uh, uh, we're encouraged by the fact that the health authorities, uh, you know, sort of can identify the uh, the, the case, uh, contacting, uh, tracing, and and uh, realize that most of these are all you know related to one another, if you will, and and uh, not really out in the in the community uh, so much. And uh, all of the uh, companies that have been identified, uh, you know, are doing. A, a superb job of uh following the health protocols uh locking down situations uh, outright um, you know closing their store in the case of uh Tim Hortons for example to uh, to make sure that there isn't any further uh spread so uh, as Dr. Russon indicated uh, yesterday they you know they were confident we would see a few more that would you know come out of this uh, um you know uh, recent uh, outbreak as there would be uh, Uh, people that are closely uh, connected and contacting with those that have been uh, uh, infected. And uh, over the next number of days, we likely would see more. And
0: indeed, that's what uh, we've seen again today. Are you seeing people wearing masks?
4: Yeah, there's a lot of masks, although I would say that 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 was certainly occurring uh, before this uh, outbreak. I I noticed the, the wearing of masks just... Ramp up uh, generally uh, uh, over time, and I'll I'll say, and I am out and about a lot, and uh, you know, pretty much every public space, every retail store continues to do a a great job of uh, following the uh, health recommendations in terms of uh, hand sanitizer at every uh, location, uh, physical distancing, all barriers are up uh, uh, between public and and Checkout staff and and those sorts of things. So nothing has really been you know, let down happily. Uh, so that um, we know that the the virus is still in our province and still in our community. And it just seems that every health region has sadly kind of taken its turn in this thing with a a bit of an outbreak. And uh, right now uh, we're we're having one to deal with.
1: Yeah, it could be that it is just Brandon's turn. And for our listeners reminder, we're speaking to the mayor of Brandon, Rick Crest. Uh, I'm curious, are you part of the conversations, Rick, or, or involved in any of them with the Maple Leaf plant? Because of course, as we mentioned, the, there's the eight cases now there and, and the push from the union, the UFCW, to see that plant close. Are you part of those conversations? Or do you have a thoughts on whether that plant should at least shut down for a deep, a deep cleaning and maybe some preventative measures?
4: Well, Maple Leaf is a very large and sophisticated organization and from the very early days of uh, this pandemic they had put in, you know, tremendous amount of uh, measures for obvious reasons and they continue to do so and they continue to, uh, to monitor that you know they they are in uh, close contact and using the uh, uh, health recommendations uh dr. Rusin himself yesterday uh, acknowledged that they had gone above and beyond what the uh, public health uh, requirements were so they're they're certainly uh well at hand um, and uh, you know they're in close contact with the with the uh, you know federal regulatory agencies that uh, uh, they deal with. We do have a close con uh, close contact close relationship with uh, uh, Maple Leaf, but, you know, I, I do have uh, faith in their assessment and, and the uh, approach they're taking. You know, up until today, uh, none of the cases had occurred in the production floor, but albeit the production floor has, you know, tremendous uh, uh, measures, mitigation measures in place to, to prevent any spread uh, throughout that. So uh, we'll, you know, certainly rely on their continued expertise in this matter.
0: When it comes to the the, feel, the way people feel about masks here, there's there's a pretty heavy divide. Sometimes you get people on one side saying "just wear a damn mask already," and then you have other people saying "you can't make me wear a mask; it's my choice." Is it? Do you have similar sort of dialogue in Brandon?
4: Well, you know, we're, I'm not hearing as much of the noise. You know, I, I don't think there's as, as much of the uh, um, you know any any sort of revolt or, or conversation like that going on, I think uh, it's so far been a, you know, it's been a personal choice and, and people respect each other's uh, uh, personal choice. I, I think it's more when when people are in a situation that they can't physically distance. Again, out here in Brannan, uh, right from the get-go, we have taken our cues from the uh, health authorities, Dr. Rusin in particular, you know, who along has, has indicated that, um, you know, certainly wearing a mask when when it's uh, difficult to physically distance is, is appropriate and, and recommended. So if you're in situations that uh, um, there is lots of physical distancing, uh, I think people then realize, you know, masks are kind of optional. And, and so I don't see anybody shaming people that are wearing them or not wearing them. It's not been... Um, quite as big an issue. I think maybe with this little bit of an uptick, uh, we may see uh, an uptick in masks um, uh, even more, even though I have witnessed it uh, sort of ramping up uh, over over the last many weeks.
1: One of the cases is linked to travel, Mayor Crest, and about the idea that Dr. Roosan said they potentially didn't do their full self-isolation, didn't go to the fullest extent, and so a lot of people are talking about fines and and how that should work. Do you think someone in that situation should be fined? And we only have about 20 seconds here.
4: Yeah, well, again, I I leave that up to health authorities. I mean, it's it's fine to kind of look backwards, but uh, again, I, I think that it underlines the fact that there's great guidelines in place Let's all follow them and uh, keep each other uh, safe, and uh, and uh, let's beat this thing.
0: Brandon Mayor Rick Kress joining us live on six eighty CJOB. Rick, thank you for this. Yeah, thanks to both of you.
1: Oh, I can't believe the places people have fallen asleep. This comes from Candy. She writes, this happened to my husband. It was a farewell party from work and they went to Chi-Chi's. About 9 p.m. Of course, Chi-Chi's. Greg's not here for our Chi-Chi's text, <laughs> Brett. So she writes, it was a farewell party from work and they went to Chi-Chi's. About 9 p.m., got a call at home from his co-worker asking if he was home as it was an over an hour that they noticed he wasn't at the table. So they called home. They eventually found him asleep in the washroom. He hadn't had much to drink because he's one of those, he's more like one of those, like Brett, that can fall asleep anywhere. Yep. She writes, I think I was more embarrassed than he was.
0: Oh, before. my gosh. And they can't
1: find him, and he's just asleep in the washroom.
0: <laughs> and this text from DJ, I was at a friend's social, uh, straight from a 12-day uh, straight work stretch. So worked 12 days straight, then went straight to a social. I arrived late. Tried to catch up, so I started with a drink in each hand, leaning against the wall by the bar. I fell asleep before I had half of my first drink. My buddies tell me I was taking a sip between snores, never from the same cup twice in a row. I woke up when the drinks were empty, looked around, gave my drink tickets away, went home only two blocks from the social. I thought I was at the social for 45 minutes, and I slept till the afternoon the next day. DJ, great story. Thank you for that. And we're going to pick our qualifier for this Better Sleep, Better You grand prize. We're giving it away on Monday from Sleep Country Canada. And uh, Candy mentioned that I can fall asleep anywhere, and I want to ask... Ask our in-studio guest, one Gabrielle Marchand from Global News Morning. Hello there, Gabby.
6: Good morning, you two. I actually connect very strongly with both those stories. <laughs> I just wonder, as an adult, you see the little kids at weddings, you know, they sort of take off the tie or they lose the shoes and they go under the table <laughs> and pass out. Why can't adults do that? You take a couple cubes of cheese, a couple sandwiches, go pass out under the table for a bit, rally, you're good to go again.
1: Get a bed of coats or something. I've actually often thought that on the plane because when I was younger, back when there was fewer rules on the plane, Gabby, I remember distinctly sleeping on the floor. Like one of us would take the seat, my sister, and I would go down to the floor. And then I remember trying that in my 20s and the (laughs) woman comes by and she's like, yeah, like, A, I don't know why you'd want to be down there. It's disgusting. But B... You're not allowed to sleep on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how things are less cute when you're no longer 6 to 12, hey, Lauren? It's true. it's true. it's For shame on me, anyway.
0: So how long you been doing this morning shift now, Gabby?
6: Um, I've been doing it for, well, not consecutively, but I've done this type of shift for two plus years. So I'm sort of adjusted to the 4 a.m., well, the 3 a.m. wake up on my part. At this point, especially today, my bags have bags, which unfortunately are showcased on TV sometimes. But I feel like I can't really complain. I mean, Loren, you have children. So what really puts things into perspective is when you're exhausted, you talk to people with kids and then you realize, oh, they're operating at a whole other level.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, it kind of depends on like if your kids sleep or what stage you're at in the game. I I can't complain too much right now because they sleep through the night, those early days for sure. I told a story just earlier this week, Gabby, about how I was at the Bay after my second son was born. And we just, were. I just went there because I just to walk around, it was winter and I tried on a few clothes and I was wearing a long sweater and realized a good chunk of my way into the mall that I hadn't put my pants back on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I was wearing like a long sweater dress and a, and some my Sorrells and then just forgot the pants. And so, yes, for sure there are varying degrees of tiredness, but I don't know. I don't want to wax on Brett and Gabby about our morning show shift, but this this I feel like I'm more tired now than I've ever been.
0: Well, and that's the thing, uh, like I'm sort of always tired of just kind of gotten used to always being tired and I can essentially fall asleep on on command. Anywhere yeah it's sometimes it's sometimes dangerously so like I actually fell asleep very briefly at the wheel a couple of weeks back oh yikes and, and uh i was and i i woke up as I was veering across the road so yeah do you ever find yourself in that kind of a position I mean, not maybe not dangerous but can you fall asleep on command
6: so I'm just chugging coffees anytime I drive anywhere that's my coping mechanism but I can definitely fall asleep anywhere i mean there can be people all around me sports on full volume I- i've fallen asleep one time in the shower uh <laughs> standing standing on. on really no i kid you not i closed my eyes and it was just so relaxing even the other day i was sitting with a co-worker we were having a meeting in our news studio and i sort of put my legs up and then i was like i could do that i started to do the head bob you know the head bob yeah. you're doing it yeah And then my eyes closed and he had to ask if I was okay because I fell asleep during our morning meeting. So I feel both of your pain. I
1: mean, the struggle can be real when you don't sleep much. So you're good at falling asleep in in different locations. Can you fall asleep well at night? And do you have any tips for the rest of us? We brought a sleep consultant, Diana McMillan, on yesterday from the U of M to give us some advice. But because you seem like you're good at it what's your tip? Just lay down. Yeah. I'm
6: good. Sort of clear your mind. I've heard from many folks that the struggle is that your brain runs and runs and runs and you're kind of going through your day, every issue. Maybe you're going through scenarios 30 years ago and planning out what you should have said. I, but for me, I'm able to clear my mind. And I think that's one of the big things I've heard. Meditation works for some people, but but I think the biggest thing is forcing yourself to go to bed. Because for me, I don't want to miss out. I mean, everyone else is barbecuing and they're having beers and they're doing this and they're mowing the lawn. Anything seems more glamorous to me than going to bed. Are you guys able to force yourself to actually lay down and start the process of falling asleep?
0: I usually end up passing out on my couch. Like um, six days out of seven, I'll, I'll wake up on the couch at... I don't know, 10, 11, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, and then I'll go to bed for a couple of hours. So very rarely do I actually make it to bed. This week it's actually been pretty good. Uh, I think last night I went to bed at 10, the night before, 9, uh, and then I just kind of lie there uh, for a few minutes before I pass out. So,
1: Mm. yeah. Um, See, I I can't sleep anywhere like that. And so... I I have to force myself to go to bed but I'm also the person I hear you there's something about it's not even missing out it's like once you lay down you're like oh this is like the only time I've really relaxed today and so I'll start watching a show and even my kids will walk in and say mom why are you awake right now so I I have I have to get better at that
0: what's the most embarrassing place you've ever fallen asleep at Gabby
6: it it was in front of actually my sister and brother-in-law and I was doing sort of a like a Pilates just to be clear I'm not very great at exercising this is going to make me sound healthier than I am I basically am 90% Dorito salt but I was doing a Pilates move and leaning over and it was an awkward move too and I put my head down with one arm over my head and my body sort of stretched over like almost like a mermaid but an awkward gangly mermaid and then I closed my eyes and I actually fell asleep like that and my sister and brother-in-law still bug me to this day because they could not believe it and I'm talking eyes shut snoring with within two minutes. Not great, you guys.
0: That's amazing. Gabrielle Marchand, Global News Morning, six to nine weekdays. We should uh, do this Like, regularly. This is fun.
5: Yeah. And we should also point out
0: that we're separated right now. We've got this plexiglass in the middle of our table Mm. from Rock Glass, windows.com. So Gabby's at the guest mic behind the other side of the glass.
1: Brett, go see if she left any cheese dust behind. Now I want Doritos. (laughs) There's a trail everywhere, you guys. (laughs) She's got a
0: secret stash somewhere. I've been looking for it. I, 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 I try to get here early enough to look for it, but she's always here before me. I got here at 3:45 the other day and you were already here. The secret
6: to life, Lorena, as I'm sure you know as a parent, is to hide your precious <laughs> snacks under the bed <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> well, I hope you get your snacks and in and some sleep this weekend both of you.
0: McGarry and McNabb with some machine head Mackling is back next week we are going to pick our qualifier for sleepless in Winnipeg qualified to win better sleep better you grand prize from sleep country Canada full details at cjob.com I'm sure Skyler Peter is filling in for Jeff Braun will be happy to know that his mom Shannon is texting us at 204-780-6868 to remind everybody that he fell asleep in a bathtub once he did tell us that earlier this week so we found our qualifier I want to read a text that just came in which is a great story but Loren uh, has Uh, we've got the winner. So this text is funny. My wife found out the hard way that I sleep, talk, and walk and I do it all with my eyes open. So one night, the first winter we were married, I woke my wife up at 2.30 with my sleep talking. She then looked out the window, got excited that it was snowing, then jumped on top of me and practically yelled, it's snowing! It's snowing! I proceeded to tell her off because I had to get up in the early morning for work. She was then shocked and angry because I was talking to her with my eyes open, and had been the one that woke her.
1: <laughs> so he woke her up, Yeah, but he wasn't really awake. Correct. Oh, my God. And then, I, it's hard to know with some sleepwalkers that when their eyes are open like that.
0: It's creepy. It's got to be creepy. Like, when I used to sleepwalk, it must have creeped my parents out. You know, like, especially when you're a kid, because creepy kids in scary movies are, <laughs> like, really, really
3: creepy. My ex-girlfriend actually beat me up when I woke her when she was sleepwalking. <gasps> really? Yeah. How bad? Oh, she just started fighting me, so I had to, like, grab her and hug her so she would stop hitting me. (laughs) (laughs) Just dropping bombs, uppercut, straight-right flurry in her sleep.
0: But, Lorraine, who is the qualifying text today?
1: Well, this one came in uh, earlier this morning. We haven't had a chance to read it, and I love the picture it paints. It was after a family wedding. My brother really celebrated and enjoyed himself. And after the reception, we couldn't find him. We lived in a small town. So we got a bit of a search party together, including a police officer friend. No luck, couldn't find him. My folks were getting really worried. My mom was crying when he came upstairs in the morning. He'd apparently walked home, got the hidden key, went downstairs to use the washroom, and was too tired or lazy, they write, to come upstairs. So he used laundry piles to make a bed or a blanket. Needless to say, one of the family had Ed duty every wedding after
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's the best because I, ha- I can't tell you how many times i have piled up the laundry on my couch and just gone to sleep mm-hmm. instead of folding the laundry i'm just i just look at the pile and go that looks comfy enough i'm just gonna sleep here <laughs> hey skylar's mom shannon if you're <laughs> listening i told skylar that you texted us about this uh, bathtub situation. And, uh, yeah, Skylar said, Shannon texted to say, Skylar fell asleep in the bathtub. Won't send picture, though. And, Skylar, what did you say to me? I said, uh,
3: I'm going to block my mother's number.
1: (laughs) You can block it all you want, Skylar. I've already entered it into my own phone. I'll just text her directly.
3: It's either my dad sends, or my mom sends embarrassing stories like that, or on the weekend, My dad will text like a paragraph and a half getting mad at something in the news. And then I just text him on my phone. I'm like, dad, you're just texting me. Like play's gone home. You can just send me a text on my phone if you really need a vent. (laughs) (laughs) That's gold. That's Uh, awesome.
0: Shannon adds, by the way, I'm saving the pictures for blackmail. L-O-L. Well,
3: I have no money, so I don't know what she's, <laughs> what she's looking for here. She's but. hopeful.
1: She's There's going to come a day. You're mo- working your way up.
3: Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying.
1: I bet you there's a good 1% raise to the next position, hey, so well, get I, excited.
3: Uh, I got five whole days in the, the Jeff Braun morning show chair, so that's, yeah. I mean geez. What more can you ask for?
0: It's been fun having you in, Skylar. Thanks for your stories. We appreciate it. And thanks to Skylar's mom for texting us and giving us a laugh as we head into the weekend. And hey, we want to close out here with something great. It's always good, Loren, to hear from this next organization.
1: Yeah, and I've always said, Brett, uh, this is one of my favorite t- groups in Winnipeg, working to help Winnipeggers and Manitobans uh, hand up, help up. And, and they work so hard in our community. And usually this week, I, I try I had to spend a day or a few hours with them, and I wasn't able to get to them this week just because of all the different things going on with COVID and vacation time and all the rest. But always pleased to welcome on Michelle Pereira, Vice President of Marketing, Communication, and Philanthropy at Habitat for Humanity Winnipeg. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning. Oh well, it's all about working together, and this year you're working to help a pretty special family, particularly for Women Build, which is sort of an all women build, uh, women helping women. Help tell us about the Sears family.
7: Yeah, so True is a single mom. She's got three daughters. Um I have, actually haven't met the the girls yet, but uh, I hear they're very shy but very excited to be moving into her home. Uh True has been out building on her house, this she's never done anything like this before in her life for five or I'd say nine days solid, um, always in there. She's now able, she's been trained, as you know, uh, Loren, not everybody gets to use power tools. She knows how to use a table saw and, and we've got great folders of her. So she's just, you know, empowering women, empowering women, as you know, is an amazing experience.
0: How has COVID-19 changed the way you're doing things?
7: Well, you know, we've enhanced our cleaning protocols. Um, we have uh, hourly cleaning uh, uh, processes that happen on site, which didn't happen before. Um, everybody, you come to the site, you have to do a self-assessment that's the provincial guidelines uh, mandate. Um, you have to do uh, sign in for contact tracing. So yesterday we had global news out and they, even though they weren't building, they still have to sign in. So that way, if someone does um, report that they've tested positive, we know who was on the site that day, which is no more than probably 10 to 15 people on any given day. So it's great. we able to keep track of that. Um, you, you get your own tools. You. Um, your, your PPE has been sterilized. At the end of the day, we sterilize it again. And then we sit it in an isolation for two days before we would use it again. And so we have a lot of um, PPE materials that we can rotate them out really effectively. So we're just making sure that everything, Oh, and we have flushable toilets for ran this year, which is amazing. <laughs> Come <laughs> on the massive. one year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyways, it, it, you know, it's been very good. Um, we're, Social distancing, best we can. We're providing masks if people want to wear them. So, you know, our first group was the engineers, geoscientists, Manitoba, and they came out and a lot of them did wear masks. They were our first group, but we really haven't seen much of that lately, but it's up to the discretion of the person.
1: It's, uh, you know, I always say it's one of my favorite projects because it is the kind, it's not just giving money, it's giving your time, but mm. it's, it's working together for such an important cause. And I think there's so much to be learned on the build site, build site for the volunteers, not to mention the family that is, is getting this, um, additional help. Walk us through a bit of the process because no matter how many times we say it, Michelle, people need mm-hmm. to understand that this isn't a free home being handed to someone.
7: Exactly. And it's actually quite difficult to become a Habitat partner family. And so we go through a very intrusive process of interviewing, making sure that they uh, meet the qualifications. But the basics are is that there's someone in the home has to have had a full time job for at least two consecutive years. They must have children. They must have good credit uh, and they must be willing to partner with us, which means that they have to complete 500 hours of sweat equity and 100 of those hours have to be building their home if they're physically able to do that. Um, And then what we do is we we have them meet with credit aid. Uh, Credit aid dives deep into their financial situation. You know, you're allowed to have some debt, but you can't have like a whole bunch of debt, bad credit. And we want to make sure we set them up for success. So what happens is is that they they do it because that's what they do professionally. And we pay for that service and uh, they let us know if they're going to be a good fit. Because what we don't want is a family to purchase a Habitat home and then within two years not succeed and then we have to move them out. So the idea is to is to really uh, spend a lot of time at the beginning to make sure that they're ready for home ownership, which is not meant for everybody. Not everybody's meant to own a home. So sometimes it's it's just not in their journey. So
0: but not everybody's meant to wield power tools either. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like for example, I'm not a handy person. It's quite embarrassing. If I mm-hmm. if I were to show up. Yeah. at a Habitat for Humanity site, and I wanted to help out. Uh, is there someone who sort of decides as to whether or not I can I can help out just based on the fact that I'm completely incompetent?
7: Okay, well, incompetence is really in the eye in the of the beholder. We uh, pride ourselves on working with unskilled volunteers. And so, Brett, if you want to come out, and you want to learn how to do the power tools? We'll train you. So the experts we have professional tradespeople on our site. So to, uh, at the Women Build site this year, it's Thomas. He will walk you through this, all the safety things. Herb, who loren knows very well, um, will also make sure that you're safe. And then we'll teach you how to use a power tool. So the best thing yesterday, uh, Mike content was out because we broadcasted the six o'clock news last night. And he told me, he says, you know, tonight after this weekend, you know what I'm doing? I'm building a headboard. I says, oh, from the from the skills you learned from Habitat. He goes, absolutely. So, <laughs> you know, so from someone who probably didn't know much, and now he's buying tools because he learned the skills on Habitat. And and that's what Habitat's really all about is. Is bringing people together, teaching you some skills that you might need later. So, hey, Brett, you'll be a much better catch if you're handy. Women like that.
0: I know, I know. Ah. It's awful. It's so. (laughs) I had to. I had to do something in my previous relationship. I had to try to just put up a curtain rod or something, and it was an unmitigated disaster. And I had just all I could do was bow my head in shame. Uh, And uh, lo and behold, I'm single now. So, lol.
1: Herb would fix that he's the guy that uh, fixed yeah. me and by fix me he's kept me on sort of cheerleading duty Brett for the last four or five years on the habitat build site because I've learned I've learned minimal skills but I always have lots of fun and that's another part of it Michelle there's the camaraderie because the volunteers you can sign up individually or is it with your organization how does it work if you want to be a part of this.
7: Absolutely. So if you guys just want to come out, you can sign up to volunteer. You go to our website, which is habitat.mb.ca. You click on the volunteer, you register, you take a safety video course to make sure you understand, you know, how to be safe on the build site. Um, And then you pick a, a day that we have availability and you sign up. And that's as simple as that. If you are a corporate organization and employee engagement is part of the strategy that you're responsible for, we actually offer a turnkey opportunity where it's called a team build Uh, There's a there's a financial investment to the organization for that and then we basically from the beginning to end provide an amazing opportunity for your team to have employee engagement opportunities and the best part is what we're hearing from the corporate groups because it's a big part of our fundraising strategy is corporate uh, team builds is that they um, this might be the only thing they can do because it's outside. So because of COVID, they can't do everything. They can't volunteer at different organizations where they normally would. So we have a safe, very effective way for you to give. So there's different ways that you can do that. So contact our office, and we're happy to set you up with the right person and, and, and make it
0: fun. And this is the beginning as well, the, the build that, you're, that uh, Global was at yesterday. That's the beginning of, what, a 20-home development?
7: Correct. It's a Bearland condominium development. It's the first time we've built condos. Uh, which has been interesting, learning how to um, understand the condo act and what, what the rules are. But barrel-on condo means that the homeowner owns the inside and outside of their home and the land that, that the home is on, but the condo development owns the common shared space, so the road, the garbage removal, that type of thing. there will be 20 homes, so they're side-by-side, side, so 10 buildings but 20 families uh, in Amber Trail, so it's a beautiful established, well-maintained neighbourhood. Um, and this year we're going to build 10, and then next year we'll do Phase 2, and then we'll have probably 65 to 70 children running around enjoying life. <laughs>
1: That's incredible. What was the behind the shift to condos this year? Is it a one-off or something you just wanted to, to get into?
7: Well, you know, we resisted condominium uh, development for quite some time. You know, we've always wanted families to have their own home, and, and you know, condo board adds another layer of complexity to... What that means to be a homeowner is if you know about living in a condo. So, uh, but density is important. Land costs are very high, and so we had to do it. It was just the way it was. This land was zoned already for a condo. It had to be the only way we could purchase this land is if we agreed to do condo development. Um, so that's why it happened. We actually just closed on a large piece of land in Transcona uh, last week. It'll probably house 70 families, and it will be a true traditional condo development. And that's just. What what the future looks like for us? Because we just we buy land just like any other developer. We compete with with everybody else, and and it's uh, just the way you
1: know the way it is now. Well, I want to thank you for your time, Michelle. I'm sorry I can't be there this year. I will get back to it next year. And Next year, Brett, I'm bringing you.
0: Okay. Yeah, and You
1: know what? And it's women build, so you just never know, Brett.
0: Oh well. I mean, oh. Look at that.
1: Oh. You're... A double reason. You're <laughs> gonna learn some power tools and. Oh my segue women? was going to be bad there. I was about to say something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if never you mind. These women, you will be able to survive. Anybody. There you go. Okay. Much more
0: PC. Okay. Well, yeah, that uh, I think you have solidly enticed me. So, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate Thanks
7: it for having us. Cheers. Cheers.